Yo, this, this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, this is Patrick Chapin. You're listening to Yo MTG Taps. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Yo MTG Taps. This is episode 18. I am Joey Pasco. And uh, with me, of course, is Big Head Joe. With him, as always, is Guard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, we want to welcome all the new listeners uh, from Starkington Post and O2 Drop and possibly by this point, Top 8 Magic. Um, I believe our last episode, episode 17, will be available on Top 8 Magic very soon. So, uh, And welcome, as always, to our MTG cast listeners. Of course. We uh, ain't forgot about y'all, although y'all haven't been commenting as much as you used to on our stuff. I guess we need to have Lloyd back and argue with him some more. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then we'll get the comment. We'll get a lot of comments. The comment right? train rolling. Yeah. Um, so today we're going to go over our uh, top tens. We were going to do a unified top ten list, which we kind of have a lot of the same stuff. but um, Yeah, the original idea was like, I was thinking we each have a top ten. Then I thought, well, how about we each write our top ten and then see where they overlap to create like a top five. But we both had trouble creating a top 10 list. Yeah, in mine fact, started with like 24 and yours started with like 17. 17, yeah. So we're going to talk about each of our top 10s and probably skip over, like, you know, if we talked about a card at length, probably skip over it on each other's, like on my list or something. We'll go over yours first probably and then go over mine. Right, that's um, I've fine. got a couple differences. Um, but our top three are all... Exactly the same, just in a little bit of a different order. We cheated a little bit with the... Uh, we, we, we classified the legendary Eldrazi as just one one slot, because they kind of all seem cool. And I um, slipped a fourth non-legendary one in there, because... I oh, like, oh, I see, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, uh, it's, my, it's my cheaty face, Eldrazi. Oh, you snuck it in there. Yeah. Snuck it in. First, uh, I, I do want to uh, send a shout-out to Paul Salvi, who... Drew some awesome like caricature cartoon portraits of us, uh, which is now our um, well, it's our album artwork and it's our icon on Twitter, um, our avatar. Hideously so. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, Paul is the artist for a comic called Living with Insanity. He uh, he doesn't write it, but he does the art for it, and so like to me, it's worth uh, it's worth looking at. I, I read it every week. You know, I'm not even worried about the, the story or the writing. I'm just like, hey, cool, more stuff that Paul drew. Um, Paul is, was one of my best friends since I was a little kid. We met in, like, third grade, and uh, he does some really awesome artwork, and uh, he's a cool guy. So um, thanks, Paul. I, I don't know if he's going to listen to this episode because he doesn't play Magic, but he did listen to one of our past episodes, so, uh, so that was pretty cool. So let's just uh, let's get started with our lists. Definitely. Okay, so number 10 on my list is Deprive, which some people might be surprised that this made my list because I did actually post my opinion of it, which wasn't very favorable the other day, but it's still an exciting card to me. Like, all right, Deprive, for those of you who don't know, um, is an instant uncommon for blue-blue as an additional cost to cast Deprive, return a land you control to its owner's hand, counter-target spell. So it's counterspell, except you need to return a land. Right. Um, it's playing Kalmar Depths. It's right. There's ways to take advantage of it. Right. Um, it reminds a lot of people of Familiar's Roost, 
which was the same thing, except instead of returning a land, you had to return a creature. Mm -hmm. And um, if I don't know if you remember, but back at Worlds 2007, when we were there, uh, Zvi Malshowitz played Fairies. This is before Bitter Blossom was around. Oh, wow. And he had four Familiar Zeus in the deck to return things like Spell Stutter Sprite. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had all these comes-into-play things. And that was that was cool, but I guess, you know, it was outclassed eventually. When, when Bitter Blossom came about, like, the deck, you know, went hardcore into what it, you know, became. But um, I, I just remember that, because I remember really being kind of on the fence about Familiar's Roost, because I thought, this is really neat, but it also seems like it could be really bad. And so, like, I remember I kind of played with it a little. And I, when I saw him playing with it, I was like, all right, I'm going to try that again. But anyway, Deprive, same thing except it's with lands. Now, most uh, most blue decks, obviously, are going to have uh, plenty lands. They're more likely to have lands to return than creatures. So, right. so this, you know, seems better than Familiar's Roost. My problem with it is the, uh, the disadvantage to something like Cancel is that you can't play it on turn two, right? I mean, so this Deprive lets you play, you know, you can counter a spell on turn two. You can counter any spell, right? I mean, anything that's counterable. But uh, the problem with that is that you're setting yourself back, like, right, off, right at the outset of the game, you know, right away. Now turn two, you counter a spell... Now here's turn three, your opponent has like a, a three drop that you want to counter, and you're at two lands again. So their three drop is probably better than your two drops. So. And, and the thing that I'm just thinking about is like, <laughs> what, if you were, <laughs> what if you used it to counter my Lotus Cobra in turn two, and you returned a land... And then I used the summoning trap into Emrakul, and then you're off of Oblivion Ring mana for right. a whole extra turn. Oh yeah, that's a blowout right there. That's like, oh Christ! Like that would be the worst thing that could ever. Yeah, like I would. If that happened to me, I would quit playing Magic. I'd be like, are you kidding? That is so broken. Like it just seems like okay. And then you suggested Halamar Depths, which is a land that comes into play tapped. So it's already you're you know it has an advantage, and the, the land is good, but it comes into play tapped. So you're already you know, slowing yourself down a bit there. You know, you're playing a land you can't even use for mana right away, so now you're going to do it again? I mean, you do get that advantage again, but I just feel like in the early game, it's so... It's it's too scary to use. It's too much of a a, a liability, I think. So then, and then in the late game, I guess my point is that now in the late game, which is when it actually is, of course, better, because now Halimar Depth coming in the play tapped is, is fine, because you probably got plenty of mana anyway, but... In the late game, I mean, the advantage to this card being a third less mana than cancel is kind of nullified because you've got a lot of mana by that point anyway. Right. I like the card, and I like the fact that Wizards is doing this, um, is printing counterspells, they're playing with it, they're kind of giving us options to, to be able to play uh, two casting cost counterspells. So it's just another option... I don't know. I, it's it's really neat, so that's why it made my list. But uh, it still seems scary to me to play, and I think um, it seems worse. And I need to play with it to actually um, see if it's any good. I think it would actually be better in something that can make up that tempo a lot quicker. So something like blue green that can make up that land drop. You know what I yeah. mean? Something that can uh, accelerate. Mm -hmm your mana, then it kind of makes up for it a bit. But 
And, and again, with landfall, like you mentioned, Lotus Cobra. So in a deck like Mythic Band, it might be good or I've something. Been, I've been thinking about it. Like I've been thinking about blue green cobras. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that anyway. Right, yeah, and that's so. what I'm saying. So like it could be better in something like that. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of does this replace cancel? And I feel like unfortunately it doesn't because it sets you back too much. And I'm looking at it also from the standpoint of a player. Who's been playing uh, blue white control? I was and, hoping you were going to stop the sentence right there. Right. <laughs> I've also been looking for it from the standpoint of a player. <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to just stop the sentence right there. But anyway, go on. So, player um, plays control. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I'll move on to my number nine here, which is consuming vapors. This is another card we haven't talked about yet. Um, it's a sorcery rare. It costs three and a black. Target player sacrifices a creature. You gain life equal to that creature's toughness. Rebound. You gain life, too? Yeah. God. It seems pretty sick. Like, Well, that's why it's number six on my list. I mean, like... Yeah, I just... I know you like a bunch of other stuff more, but I mean, like... Damn! Well, I think it's gonna... As far as, like... It's... You know, it's, it's not number nine because it's not as good as the top eight, but it's number nine more because I just like other things more because I think they're more exciting cards. You, you know what I've been thinking about with this card? Hmm. I've been thinking about Abyssal Persecutor. So you use you use it, you target the opponent, mm -hmm. they sacrifice a creature, you gain life. Mm -hmm. You've got room. If, if, it was a, if there even were any flying creatures on the board, you swing in for six with the, with the dude. Mm -hmm. Next turn, you sacrifice the dude and you gain six. Yeah, because you mean, can target you can, two different yeah, people. It's exactly. not like it's another way to get rid of a persecutor. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about that. I mean, like, I mean, especially with like you know, it looks like mono black might be fairly viable, and like, especially with um, I guess I'm skipping around. Well, my number nine is uh, consume the meek. Right, and this made my honorable mention list because again, I like other things more, but it's still a really good card. Right, but like consume the meek says it's a two black and three. And it's, uh, just it's yeah, yeah, right, two right. black and three. It's an instant. It's a rare. And you got to remember, this card is an instant. Destroy all creatures with converted mana. Cost three or less. They can't be regenerated, which is incredible. I mean, it's instant speed, which is excellent. It doesn't kill Abyssal Persecutor. Yeah. Um, just from talking in these last five minutes, I think I'm taking Abyssal Persecutors out of my trade section. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, suddenly Persecutors become a lot more attractive to you. You put on some lipstick and some makeup, and now he's, now he's like a sexy Bugs Bunny. Right? I just went to the gym a little bit. <laughs> I mean, like, just... um, Yeah, I think the fact that we have instant speed mass removal. That is, you know, we, we technically had that with something like Comet Storm and Volcanic Fallout. Yeah, and, and the thing, one of the good things about this is it does destroy all, like, the uh, Eldrazi spawn tokens and things like that that, um, that hit play. So, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, how Pyroclasm and Earthquake and Volcanic Fallout all seem like they're better now because of things like spawn tokens. Mm -hmm. um, the Eldrazi spawn kind of route to, uh, to ramping up to your Eldrazi seems like it's got an inherent weakness to any kind of, you know, effect like this. So Consume the Meek is another one to add to the list. Yeah, I mean, and not to mention the fact that it deals with manlands. Right. Um, if Jund isn't dead after this set comes out, which I, I'm sorry, I, I don't think that, uh, I mean, Jund is going to be a deck mm -hmm. still, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going uh, gonna to make the cut here. Um, I mean, I just think there's enough yeah. things. I mean, like, Jun's going to go tap five, activate Raging Ravine, 
attack with a bunch of dudes, and you're gonna go, like, kill all of them except for Bloodbraid Elf. Right. I mean, like, that just... That seems pretty damn good. I mean, like, they're, I, I mean, not just consume the meek is the answer to Jund or anything. Like, I don't think that. Right. But just, like, thinking about all the different decks that are going to be viable after Rise of the Eldrazi comes out, um, Jund's going to have to adapt or die. You know what I mean? And Jund is a great deck at adapting. So, like, I, I, you know, I don't see it going away, but I definitely see other decks coming to the forefront here with this new set coming out. And here I am on record saying it, so if I'm wrong, yeah. I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, why not? You know, but whatever. I, I really don't think Jun's going to be the strongest or most popular deck after this. There's going to be other stuff. Right, and you just reminded me of something, a, a, a card that was spoiled today and isn't on our, uh, it wasn't on the list that we were looking at. We were using uh, Mana Nation and Gathering Magic for our spoilers, and... Um, which are more like more of the confirmed spoilers, but this one I, I did want to mention it because you reminded me of it just now. Is we don't know the name of it yet, but the tentative name is Dude Recall. It's cost one blue. It's a sorcery common, and as an additional cost to cast Dude Recall, tap four untapped creatures you control, draw three cards. So wow, I tap a blue and draw three cards. That's like ridiculous, right? But it's uh, you got to tap four creatures, and that is where the card loses its its strength. I think, or of course, um, it just I don't I don't like it. And, and and the reason you reminded me of it is I posted on Twitter earlier. I was like, "Great, it's sorcery speed. Thanks, wizards. I can use these as bookmarks." <laughs> and uh, Russell Tassiker wrote, "Wow, that tweet is going to be like Evan Irwin's." Three dudes comment from a couple of years ago. Do you remember that? No. On the Magic Show. Sorry, Evan, that I need to bring this up again. But uh, he was making fun of Spectral Procession. <laughs> he was making fun of Spectral Procession. <laughs> he was like, and White gets three dudes. Three dudes. <laughs> like it was just this terrible card. And of course, <laughs> Spectral Procession ends up being the one that was actually like the best of, of all the, the cycle. Yeah, um, it's true. So you know, Russell Tassiker thought that uh, that my my comment would be like Mr. Orange's three dudes comment. <laughs> Mr. Orange is Evan's Twitter username. Sorry, <laughs> I was like randomly, like, who's Mr. Orange? Mr. Orange. <laughs> why do you get to be? Why do you get to be Mr. Black? <laughs> so so um, anyway, I did want to mention that. Um, because, you know, I put myself out there and I could be wrong, but what I said, somebody else said something like they think it's kind of neat, and, and I said, well, you know, either way I win. If I'm wrong, blue gets an awesome blue draw spell, right? right? Awesome, cheap draw spell. And if I'm right, hey, bookmarks. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, I just, I just said Jund is dead after this set comes out, so I mean, like... <laughs> Well, I guess this is the episode of Wild Claims. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, well, we'll see what happens. Spectaculating wildly. <laughs> but, um... Okay, so I'll move down to number eight on my list. You want to do that's, that? That's uh, moving up. Moving... Into number eight. Okay, so it's up on a piece of paper also. Up on a piece of paper. All right, got it. So Cargan Dragonlord, or as I have it written here, <laughs> Cargan Doctor Lord. <laughs> Because I was a brevy. <laughs> Dr. Lord Man, sir. Yeah, so uh, uh, Mike Flores uh, spoiled this card on Top Decks a couple weeks ago. We talked about it last week. Um, it's the 2-2 for Red Red Leveler that 
levels up to like a four four flyer, and then to an eight eight flying trample. Does it have trample? Fire breathing. It doesn't have trample, though, does it? I can't remember. Let's look it up. So, yeah, it's an 8-8 flying trample with fire breathing. Um, I think this card's really, like, neat. And I know we talked about it last week, and uh, so we shouldn't mention too much. But I just want to say again that it's really neat. I, yeah, I used to love playing red, and I'm just like, gosh, I'm going to play that card. Not that I can't play it, but right. it really, it's neat. I just think it's neat. And the artwork's fantastic. That I, I'm so... Uh, distracted by artwork, I'm like that card's good. Look at the art. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> skeletal scrying. That's terrible art. I can't play that. <laughs> that that literally happened. You know, back when I was playing mono black control in 2002, like Odyssey block era, you know, or Odyssey standard. I understand it's good, but look at it. It's ugly. I can't play that. <laughs> I tried not to play it. it. I eventually did play it, but yeah, I'm so blinded by artwork. Speaking of which. We have Vengevine. Which is on your list. Which is on my list, and the artwork of it. Raymond Swanland is such an amazing artist. He started, I think, in Shards. Isn't he going to be at the pre- I mean, at the pre- at the Grand Prix? I don't know. He might be. That will be awesome. I, think he I know might be at the Grand Darken is at the, the Grand Prix. Or no, maybe it's Darken and Matt Stewart. I think it is. So, Vengevine. Let's, let's talk about Vengevine. Or Vengevine, as some people like to call it, except that's the wrong pronunciation. Um, Vengevine? Vengevine. Vegemelt Sandwich. Is uh, green, green, and two. Mythic rare, creature elemental. Four, three. Haste. Whenever you cast a spell, if it's the second creature spell you cast this turn, you may return Vengevine from your graveyard to the battlefield. He's already like an $18 card. People love him. I love him. The artwork's fantastic, as I mentioned. He could be worth that much, but I really... I tend to lean the other way. Like, I think he's the Abyssal Persecutor of the set. Right, like he's good, but not as good as the hype right. is called. I mean, you know, there's enough times... Like, could it be good in Jund? Could it not be good in Jund? You know, probably not. Uh, and the reason why I even say that is because, you know, you could cast every... I'm just thinking, like, the most effective way to get him back onto the battlefield is Bloodbraid Elf into, like, a Thrynax or something. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, like, every... I mean, first of all, you got to cut four things for those. Yeah, well, it depends on how many you are From the deck. That's what I was thinking, was maybe he would make Jund in, like, a one-of or something slot, because he does keep coming back, and if you don't draw him, you don't... Jund doesn't need him, but he's a strong creature, so you could play, like, a one-of... Or something, and, you know, run him out there if you got him. If you don't, you don't have him, whatever. But, you know, when he's in the graveyard, now he's an, an extra resource for your Bloodbraid Elf. So it's I, true, but every, but I'm saying, like, but, you know, if you, like, it's just, it's, it's the, it's the, um, the Vampire Nocturnus problem again, I feel. Like, every time you need Bloodbraid to flip over a creature, it's going to flip over Bolt or, or Pulse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, but neither one of those are bad Cascades, but... You know, then the next turn, what are you going to play? Like, you know, like, you play Broodmate Dragon, you're not getting, you're not yeah. casting two dragons, you're getting one friggin' dragon. And you're like, Christ, so I've got this creature in my graveyard. It's a 4-3 haste, whatever, I'll just play Bloodbraid Elf. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't, I don't know, I think Sarkin the Mad is a much better choice, is, is much more necessary for Jund, almost. Um, and just more of a, a complete um, component of the deck right. uh, in, in the future. I think the other problem is the other... Like you said, they need to cut four things, and this is right in the Master of the Wild hunt slot. 
right. which is removal. You know, like and Master of the Wild Hunt is, is, is pretty good, great. Good removal, that. yeah. And then um, you know, some run Garrick. It fits right into that slot too. I don't know. You know, I think Sarkin is going to replace Garrick in most yeah. of those lists. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm no expert, but like, right, we, yeah. Sarkin is clearly very, very friggin' strong in that deck. So yeah, but again, it's a situation where. There's a lot of competition at the five slot too. You have Siege Gang Commander. You have um, Bituminous Blast. Like, is he going to be better there, or you know, do they cut some and sh- you know shave numbers here and there so they can fit a couple Sarkins in? Is a Sarkin a four of, a two of, a one of? What you know? Right. I think at least a two of. I mean, he kills himself, so you you almost want to run more of him because there's no way he's there's no way to really keep him on the on the battlefield like something like Jace where you just you know you or Elspeth you know you keep pumping up the numbers, but he, just by nature of, you know, using his abilities, he's going to die, except for, unless you just keep using the top ability and drawing lands, right? Right, <laughs> his, right. His zero ability and somehow just hitting lands. But yeah, so he, that's that's an, um, a reason to use him as more of, you know, just like a two of or something, but I guess we'll see. But as far as Vengevine goes, uh, we mentioned Jund, but Mono Green is green is looking so good in this set like there is no doubt i, I joked with joe the other day that uh, I, I was like i started a new blog it's affinityforforest.com because this set just has so much good green in it i'm like oh man i want to play these cards but i have i have a tendency to look at cards and be like i want to play them and then i build a deck and i'm like this deck isn't as fun as control decks <laughs> This 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 can't dropping any spells. Right, this dropping creatures and turning them sideways thing is not enough for me. Right. I do that at the end of the game after you can't do anything else. Then I start turning my creatures sideways, <laughs> or hopefully just turning five land sideways and swinging with a colonnade that I don't have to turn sideways. That's right. But uh, you know, or just putting counters on Jace, which is another favorite of mine. I just like going um, Iona bounce whatever creature you had on the board that's threatening. And then just the people just scoop. It's like, what win condition is that? You know, like I didn't attack or get Jace's. I played a spell. Right, I win. <laughs> That's it. It's just I, I win the game. I got a spell. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 fun. But anyway, yeah. So Vengevine falls into that category as far as like with Mono Green, he seemed like he'd be really good because you can you know you're dropping elves in the early turns. You accelerate into something. You don't even need to play Vengevine on four or or whatever. You could. Maybe play him earlier, or you can just wait until you've ramped into some stuff and you run him out there whenever. And on those turns when you got the, you, you know, you're top decking an elf when you don't need it. Now that elf represents something entirely different. Because how many times you're playing a mono green deck or something like it when you're going, you draw a card and it's Lanor elf, you're disappointed. But now you don't have to be because you can. Hopefully, if you have another creature, you do need the second Lana or Elf or something. But, you know, you drop two creatures, now you've got a Vengevine. Now, so it represents something entirely well, there's one different. Way to, there's one way on your list to uh, draw into some more creatures for green. Uh, but we'll get there. Oh, right, right. I see what you're saying. But I'm saying, like... So, all right, my number six, then. Mm-hmm. Student of Warfare. Mm-hmm. Student of Warfare. Did we talk about this last week? I feel like we didn't. I don't really remember. I don't think so. Student of Warfare is a rare... Creature, human knight, for white. He's a 1-1, and his level up cost is white. Um, Level 2 through 6, he gets first strike and becomes a 3-3. And level 7 and up, he's a 4-4 with double strike. 
This, I think, is hands down the best leveler in this Hands set. down the best leveler. And, and it's in the uh, pre-constructed deck, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that, but I'm pretty sure you're right. He is the pre-constructed uh, deck rare, so don't go out and spend tons of money on him because he is going to be reasonably readily available. I mean, yeah. Umazawa Jite was uh, in a pre-constructed deck, too, and... Um, you know, still reached... Oh, and those are foils, too. I forgot about that. That's right. It is a foil. So it should be a, a foil student of warfare. So, yeah, keep, you know, oh, keep that in mind. So, uh, student of warfare, ter- turn one, you drop it. It's a one-one. But turn two, you level it up, and you've got a three-three first strike on turn two, and that beats the hell out of a watch wolf. Yeah, it right? does. And it, it swings. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, you know, kind of ridiculous. Like, yeah, you give up your turn one play, technically, right? You know, if you want to compare it to to having something like a Watch Wolf or a Wild Nakatl, but I mean, look at look at like Wild Nakatl. Okay, you you know you can you can have a three three Nakatl on turn two, in extended. You know, you can have a two two Nakatl on turn two in standard, but a three three in extended, but it doesn't have first strikes. So this is still better than that. You know, so uh, I mean, yeah. Then in in the Nakatl's case, then you still can play something else on turn two. But my point is that this is a freaking ridiculous card. It Turn is two, awesome. three, three, first strike, and then you know, randomly, you know, whenever you have the mana, you level it up. It's just one white, so whenever you've got that extra mana, and it gets to level seven, and you have a four, four double strike, which is pretty freaking ridiculous. I mean, for me, I just stick with the three, three, first strike and. And keep playing as normal. And if there's a turn where I have the extra white mana, level it up. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, that's I think that's the correct way to play. Fantastic. You could you could fetch it up with Ranger Vios. Um, that, yeah, that's another. thing. I mean, like that's just ugh. Ranger Vios just got even better. Right? Yup. <laughs> yeah, damn right it did. How about that? So my number five is another searchy card like Ranger Vios, except it is not a creature. It is Realms Uncharted, which uh, I believe we've talked about before. Everybody kind of... This one's been out for a while. It was spoiled on Mana Nation. It is the Gifts Ungiven for Land. Gifts Ungiven? Uh, except it's cheaper, actually. It costs a green and two. It's an instant. I love this card. Uh, it's a rare. Search your library for four land cards with different names and reveal them. An opponent chooses two cards. Put the chosen cards into your graveyard and the rest into your hand. Then shuffle your library. That's obviously going to see play in older formats, but I think it's cool and standard to grab up. I mean, we have so many neat lands. I mean, you, you play a three-color deck, and you can just grab three basics and something, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's even good. Uh, and three-color decks are not unheard of. There's one Jund, um, Mythic Band. There's even... Naya. Naya, right. There's, so there's Naya allies. Naya allies. So, I mean, you know, this is a way to get man lands. It's a way to get Sajiri Step, things like that. Like, it just seems like... And, uh... Night of the Reliquary just got better. How about that? Yup. <laughs> now you've pumped your knight, you know, by two lands. Oh, the other thing is it thins your deck a little bit, you know, by mm-hmm. four cards. So all your top decks are going to be spells instead of lands. So, I mean, that's, uh, it's got just a myriad of uses, I think. I, I love it. Uh, number four, another green card, Momentous Fall, which, again, yeah. we talked about last week. Instant Speed... Green card draw. Last week I said it was my favorite card in the set, and this week I forgot to put it on my top ten list. <laughs> my list is like a combination of like what I think are the best and the cards I'm most excited about. Mm-hmm. But like Student of Warfare and Momentous Fall were like the two cards I was like, oh my god, what is Wizards thinking? Yeah. Kind of cards. And 
I forgot to put on my list because there's so many cards. I'm like, ah, it's neat. That card looks cool. My number three is our cheaty, cheaty face uh, thing. You know, we have um, Kozilek, Emrakul, and Ulamog. Mm-hmm. All three of the legendary Eldrazi. I'm just putting them, lumping them all together because they're all pretty much equally cool. I particularly like Kozilek. Probably because it says draw four cards on it. That's not probably. <laughs> no, no, and also I like the artwork better. <laughs> you know, I just like the artwork and on it. Plus, there. it's the most aggressively costed. One That's true too. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But uh, yeah, Kozilek, like I, I like the best. Um, Emrakul is neat, but I think if I built a deck with these, I would run one of each. I don't really know why, except that I want to play with all of them, and I'm not putting twelve of them in my deck. See, um, I'm working on a um, summoning trap deck with Los Eldrazi's, <laughs> and um, I'm not going to run 12, but I'm my main focus is going to be Emrakul, so I'm running four Emrakul, and then a minimum of one each of the other two legendary guys. Seems right. Yeah, I mean, I, so... That like, makes sense. I mean, that's only five as opposed to... I mean, I'm sorry, six. It's six. So that way I can, like practically guarantee I'm going to summon and trap into one of them. You know what I mean? Like, and, and in combination with Jace, like, if I put it on top of my library, I definitely summon and trap into Yeah. One. So, yeah, yeah, everybody knows how cool the Eldrazi are. They're big and awesome, except that, the, you know, what we need to see. And, and more and more Wizards is showing us that these are going to be playable in Standard. I can't wait to see what happens. Like, it, that's the thing with, with you talking about Jund, like, we've never had this kind of situation before. Well, we kind of did with Shadowmoor, because that was a big set. But I feel like it, it just feels different with this. Like, we're used to getting a small set around this time. And so it's like, here's some things that might shake things up. You know, like, here's a Bloodbraid Elf that might, you know, do something to the format. Of course, at the time, it, became, it was the, uh, you know, the headliner of Five Color Blood... Mm-hmm. And then Lord rotates, and people are like, mm, "Yeah, John is awesome, so let's just play it." But, um, but for some reason, like Rise of the Eldrazi seems like it's poised to make a uh, a pretty big impact to uh, warp the world, as yeah. they say, a <laughs> hundred times per episode, unlimited resources. <laughs> so uh, I'll just I, I put Wall of Omens as my number two card. Um, which again was spoiled last week after we recorded. It's an 0-4 wall. It's Wall of Blossoms. People who have been around for uh, playing for a while, have played with Wall of Blossoms, know how great it is. Um, it's an again, it's an 0-4 wall for a white and one creature, uncommon defender. When Wall of Omens enters the battlefield, draw a card. It just seems so simple and so basic, so but it's a beautiful. cantripping wall. It you know, your Bloodbraid Elf now does nothing. You know, it's it's like a Bloodbraid Elf itself. You know, like, you pay two and you get something else, and now I block your Bloodbraid Elf, block your Sprouting Thrynax, and you don't get any tokens because it doesn't it doesn't hit your Thrynax back. I mean, it's... it's so damn beautiful. It's fantastic, and it's, it's even better along with Gideon Jura, which is my number one card. Yep, and for the did we say that our top three were identical? Yeah, it? just in a different order. Mine's the Eldrazi's first, and then Gideon Wall of Omens. Just because I'm really excited about the Eldrazi, because I'm really excited about using Summoning Trap. Right. So, but yeah, Gideon. What were you gonna say? Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, Gideon's my favorite. Um, 
I just think he's neat. I just I think it's a planeswalker, and how can you not be excited about planeswalkers when they're as cool as Gideon is? I mean, I don't know if he's going to be like anywhere near as cool as Jace. I don't think so. Uh, I see him more around like the Elspeth kind of thing, where he's really good, like Elspeth, and he's settled know? in at Elspeth's price for now. Yeah, is he? What is he about forty? Forty. Yeah, so, and I think that sounds about right. I think, um, and Elspeth has creeped up to 40. I didn't see Elspeth being the powerhouse that she is. She, she was $25 around the time Conflux came out, so by the time the next set was around. Gideon, I can see him more likely to slide down and, or, or hover, stay around 30 to $40. So if you haven't gotten your Gideons yet, I would recommend that you hold off Unless you can trade for them, but I mean, go ahead and trade, do what you can, but as far as like buying them or trading for them at like the $40 they are, I would say hold off uh, because I think they're more likely to drop in price than increase from 40 If he stays around 40 for the next couple of months, I mean, what did you lose? You know what I mean? You, you just buy them at 40 You didn't really lose anything. I just don't see them going up that much higher, but I'm not a financial expert like Kelly Reed and Russell Tassiker and John Medina. So uh, I'll have to point you to quietspeculation.com and mtgmetagame.com and guafahazid.wordpress.com. What is spelled guafahazid? Uh, G-W-A-F-A-H-A-Z-I-D dot wordpress.com. You guys should definitely check that out if you haven't before. Uh, Russell's got some cool articles on there. It's, he's, he does like a nice mixture of things where some is like uh, deck tech, some is... Uh, finance. I mean, he does do kind of a focus on magic finance, but um, I, I like some of his other stuff, too. He recently wrote a blog called uh, Baneslayer Has Changed Everything. Baneslayer mm-hmm. Angel Has Changed Everything, and I, I wrote a comment for it that was so long that I was like, I guess I'm just going to copy this into my own blog post because it you know, it ended up being so long. I thought, well, why not just post this elsewhere? So I posted it on IWantMyMTG.com. So if you haven't uh, read that, go check it out. Um, and that actually has a link to the article, uh, Baneslayer Angel Has Changed Everything, and that'll take you right to uh, Russell's blog, and you can check it all out. Also on Russell's blog, um, uh, start the other night, we were chilling on Twitter, and if y'all ain't on Twitter, you should definitely follow us, Yo MTG Taps. MTG Bearchuck the other day says, you know, wouldn't it be cool to use uh, Mirror of Fate and Selective Memory using, uh, what was it, what's the name of the card, the Demon? Oh, uh... Hellcarver Demon. Yeah, Hellcarver Demon. He was like, you can use Hellcarver Demon um, to set up our six cards to cast and have it be the three legendary Eldrazi, Iona, something else, and something else. And I'm like, yeah, dude. And we start going back and forth, and other people start jumping in. And I I said, just like, we should call these Twitter snowball decks. And Russell liked the idea, so we did a blog post about a Twitter snowball deck and then did one on Twitter... And that was like on Wednesday, he posted that. And then by Friday, it was Community Spotlight, Twitter Snowball. Right, like on, on the mothership, yeah. I was like, are you serious? Like, it's, it's so funny how fast information travels now. Yeah. And, and frankly, it's really cool that, you know, Wizards is paying attention to stuff like that. You know, like, so it's really cool. I mean, congrats to Russell for getting... Uh, Getting mentioned on the mothership. A special shout out to his blog on the mothership. It's pretty awesome, and you know, it's kind of sweet that uh, the post that happened to get posted mentioned Yo MTG Taps. 
always nice to have the free press. And it's really fun. Like, we're all, I think we're all propping each other up. You know what I mean? Like, we all got each other's back. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right on. I yeah. think it's really badass. You know, like, we're all like, awesome, someone else posted something. You know, like, yeah. we're all like, you know, hyping each other's each other's stuff up, which I think is just kind of neat. Like Twitter has totally become the new uh, forums for magic. So uh, let's go with your list. Well, I've got Sark and the Mad. I think we've already exhausted that a little bit a couple episodes ago. Yeah. The reason why I put that so... It's actually number four on my list. The reason why I put it so high is because not only do I like it with, um, with Jund, I think it's a great card for the uh, red deck wins red deck splashing black wins you know what I mean like yeah I well think, and that was what Kelly Reed was saying uh, yeah right right yeah. I'm not I'm not claiming any credit for that thought I'm sure hundreds of people who have a red deck with a couple uh, dragon skull summits in it would agree with me um, but you know I just think it's a good card it's like Man, if only I could draw some cards. Oh, crap, I can draw some cards. What's up, Sarkin? You know, like, I think it's good. And then, um, uh, because we already talked about Student of Warfare, I'm talking about the card I crossed out to put on Student of Warfare, Surreal Memoir, which I really like. I think that um, it's a really interesting card. I think that, um, you know, return a spell, an instant or sorcery spell at random from your graveyard to your hand is awesome. If you have two instants or sorcery spells in your graveyard that you would like to have back, you play that, you get the one, don't play it, next turn you get the other, and then yeah. you have those two cards again. And it's like, yeah, cool, alright, that works for me. It does seem good in that it kind of draws you two cards that you know what they're going to be, you know. Yeah, and I'm thinking, and it seems like there's, if, and then if the second card is Surreal Memoir. Oh, yeah, just keep You can just keep looping the Surreal Memoirs. Um, like, if you have two of them, you know, you use you play one one turn, and then you get something back. Mm-hmm. And then the next turn... Wait, hold on. Yeah, it, it's exiled, right? It's exiled, but then it goes to your graveyard. Right, it goes to your graveyard after it resolves the second time. That's right. So right. you play one the one turn, it resolves. Yeah. It's exiled. Right. The second turn, it resolves, goes to your graveyard, and then you play Surreal Memoir to get that one back. Oh, right, and you it have goes to play. Yeah. You, you have play. to have another copy of Surreal Memoir. You, yeah. Right? But you can keep looping them. Yeah. You could. I don't, it's I don't, like, I don't know what you could do with that, <laughs> but you can do it. It's it like exists. Teachings for teachings or something. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it exists. And, uh, that, and that's pretty exciting. So. Yeah. Who knows what that will uh, lead to, but oh, I, I hope it leads to something. So yeah, that's a really good point. Like it is kind of like teachings for teachings because you are you get one card plus the original. You know, you get the surreal memoir again. You do need two copies, but so did teachings for teachings. You know, but I mean, you in this case you can't search up the other surreal memoir. You need to draw it. But right. uh, I mean, just the fact that you can keep getting back, keep looping things where like. Whatever. Day of Judgment. Let's just take that because it's the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, you can keep getting back Surreal Memoir and Day of Judgment over and over again with, with just two copies of the Surreal Memoir and Day of Judgment. Right. So it's kind of, it's just neat. You know, I'm just going to wrath every couple turns. <laughs> Good luck. I mean, being able to play any card repeatedly at will seems pretty good, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you need all the mana, but there's a lot of ways to get mana. Yeah, well, so I'm not knows? saying you necessarily need to cast them both at the same time. Right, I'm right. just saying, like, you know, you play your game, but, I mean, that's just another, 
kind of win condition or another, it's actually a very good control condition there, you mm-hmm. know, being able to do that. Play Gideon in there because, you know, he doesn't die to Day of Judgment. Pretty funny. Like, I don't know. It seems better than I originally thought. Or it could be better than I originally thought. So I actually just thought about the surreal memoir for surreal memoir, like while I was just talking. Like I didn't. Yeah. It wasn't I, something I thought of no, before. No, yeah, it was like, and then you said it, and it was like, whoa, wait. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you can do that. That's kind of neat. Um, so number seven on my list is um, growth spasm. Growth spasm is a green and two. It's a sorcery. It says uh, search your library for. I think it says a basic land. I think right. Search your library for a basic land card, put it into play tapped, then shuffle your library, put an 0-1 colorless Eldrazi spawn creature token on the battlefield. So basically it, ter- it takes you from turn 3 to turn 6 in one go. You know, so like, I really like that because it's, you know, one other way to get closer to summoning trap for me. Yeah, um, or um, just like closer to get getting to an Eldrazi. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, I think it's, you know... It accelerates you two turns ahead instead of just one, which I think is going to be uh, significant. Um, so let's move right on. See Beyond costs a blue and one. Um, it's a sorcery. Draw two cards, then shuffle a card from your hand into your library. And I think that's a really strong card. Um, and, I, I, and frankly, personally, I think it's better... Um, uh, not better, but it's um, an alternate, an alternative to Treasure Hunt. Because one of the things that you've said that you don't like that much about Treasure Hunter, I don't know if you said you don't like it that much, but one thing you said that is that tends to happen a lot mm-hmm. is Treasure Hunt into Treasure Hunt. Which yeah. is, you know, I mean, you could always see beyond into two see beyonds, but, like, you know, that could always happen. But, like, I mean, really, do you need to draw six lands? I mean, like, you draw two cards, and then you get to shuffle your library. And if you put that in conjunction with Jason Mind Sculptor, it's one more way to, quote, fetch. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you draw the two cards, and you get to pick a card from your hand, shuffle it in, and then you can brainstorm and see three new cards. Right. So that's the part that I think is really good about that and the, what I'm looking forward to, you know, from that card with Jace. Um, I, I see it. I, I like it, but not... I, I don't like it as much as Treasure Hunt. I like treasure hunt, and I do like treasure hunting into treasure hunt. Like, not that I like. I hope I treasure hunt into another one, but no, I just I like treasure hunt. Just blows through the top of your deck if it's lands, and if it's spells, you want the spells anyway. So like, it's it's a time thing. It's a I need to dig to things that are going to win me the game, and if I dig to a treasure hunt. That's just going to help me dig further. If I dig to things, if I dig through lands, well, those are I need those out of the way. If right. I get hit another treasure hunt, that's just going to help me dig further. The other day at FNM, I needed a tectonic edge. I made the mistake. I was playing against a uh, a deck that looked like it was mostly mono black with a splash of blue. Didn't see any creeping tar pits, so I sided out two tectonic edges, sided in a plains, um, and then he was beating the hell out of me with creeping tar pits yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And I was like, I sided out two of my four uh, tectonic edges. I need those bad. I need to get answers. I was at one life, and I managed to come back and win the game. Um, but it was because of things like treasure hunt drawing me, you know, land, 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 treasure hunt, whatever. Okay, land, land, whatever. You know, I'm digging further because now see beyond, all that's going to do is get me the top two. It's going to put one back, and then I'm going to shuffle. Who knows where I'm putting the cards? I mean, it's not, 
I could put the card I need closer to the top. I could also put it closer to the bottom. It's just totally, you know, that's what shuffling is, is random. So, but I don't feel like it, you know, it doesn't get the cards out of my way. It doesn't get me any closer to my win condition, for sure. You know, like, say, I'm, I'm digging for something. Treasure Hunt is definitely getting me closer to it. Right. See Beyond could potentially be putting it further away right. as well. So, things like that. And the shuffle thing is great. That's where its strength is. But... Uh, you know, blue-white control, the place where I'm fitting it in my head, already has fetch lands. And if I want more shuffle effects, I can just put another fetch land or two or something in if I really want shuffle effects. So it's not... It's got... I've got alternative ways to shuffle that don't cost me any mana. And, um, I mean, I have that that ability already with the deck, and this doesn't do it really any better to me. Uh, it's neat, though. I do like it. I mm-hmm. just don't like it enough to... I don't think I like it enough to actually play it. Fair enough. Go ahead on you. You had All Is Dust. I had All Is Dust. It's just a big, flavorful, neat spell. Destroy all colored permanents. Um, I don't know how practical it is, but God, I'm just... I just. I mean, I, I was trying... I almost traded for a painter's servant the other day. Um, well, in standard, though, I still think... I think it's good. I no, think I think it's, it's incredibly going to... I think it's going to be incredibly relevant in standard, but I was like... Totally thinking about it and extended, like, okay, destroy, you know, Painter's Servant naming any color, all his dust, destroy all permanence. That's just a fun interaction to me. Like, I mean, I could see this, like, right in blue white control, strangely, because I don't ever, besides, like, Planeswalkers, I don't have that many colored permanents. Like, I'm not actually seriously considering it, but because I didn't think of it until just now. But I mean, the fact that I can go, you know, um, Everflowing Chalice and, uh, you know, and ramp a little bit and then play this and really lose nothing on my end, it seems good. Although, really, I guess I still probably wouldn't play it over Wrath, or I'm sorry, Day of Judgment or Martial Coup, because in general, what I'm destroying is their creatures, and I'm rarely destroying my creatures anyway, so I could I could do the same thing almost for three less mana, um... The, the only other things is, say, like, Mythic Bant, like I'm getting rid of maybe your Elspeth or your Finest Hour or something mm-hmm. like that. But So then the other card I want to talk about on my list is uh, Stagger Shock, um, which was just recently spoiled. And I don't know if that's actually the... That is the name, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's an official... That one was officially preview. spoiled. Right, when I heard the name, because that's what I, I heard somebody... Well, I read it on Twitter, somebody wrote, oh, Stagger Shock is great or something. I think somebody said it was their number one common. I think it was Mole Drifting. Um... And I was like, Stagger Shock, that's probably a shock with rebound that costs, you know, one red or something, which, you know, to me, I was like, okay, because we've got Lightning Bolt for one, for a red, you know, that deals three damage. This just deals two and then does it again. So I could see it at just costing red or maybe red and one. So I'm like, you know, that could be cool. Let me look it up and see what it actually is, see if I'm right. Well, I was pretty close, but it costs a red and two, and it deals two damage to target creature or player, and it has rebound. Um, everybody's, like, flipping out over it, and I'm like, geez, I wish I wouldn't have created that fake card in my head because now I'm looking at it disappointed. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, it's a three-mana card that does four damage. The, the bad... Plane Javelin did that. Char. Right. Char. Plane Psionic Blast. Or Psionic Blast. Yes, yeah, Psionic Blast, you're right. Yeah. Uh, the downfall to this is you have your... 4-4 sitting there, and I can't do a damn thing about it, you know? It doesn't do four damage at once, and creature damage, you know, resets at the end of turn, so... But it, but it 
does hit a planeswalker twice. Yes, it does. It hits a planeswalker twice. You can destroy two creatures with it instead of one. I'm just saying, like, it's not. You, you can't. It's hard to to think of cards. Everybody wants to compare them to other things, but it's not char and it's not psionic blast because those could hit four fours. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. I definitely I mean, agree with that. I don't think you're. You know, I don't think you're wrong at all. I'm not saying it's a bad card either. I just am saying like these are things to think about. When you're looking at it, like, it doesn't kill a 4-4. I think I'm totally looking at cards and evaluating them differently now than I ever used to. I think when I look at a card and go, oh man, that's awesome, I start trying to find things wrong with it. And when I look at a card and think, oh, that sucks, I start trying to find things really good about it. I, you know, I was trying to, I, I guess that's what you should do, and I'm glad I do that, but I don't think I ever used to do it. It would be like... Stagger shock, awesome. Snap judgment. Yeah, snap judgment, and that's it. No more thoughts. It was just like that's a good card. That's it. I don't even think about it anymore. And now you know, I see things, and I'm like, this is awesome. What's the catch? Or this sucks. There's got to be something good about it, or else they wouldn't print it. They don't print cards that suck ever, right? Right. (laughs) Right. So. Right. Glory seeker is being reprinted. That's a house in standard. The artwork for Stagger Shock is Raymond Swanland, <laughs> and it is ridiculous. God, I wish he was at like our previous yeah, or at man. the Grand Prix because Everything. man, I am loving his artwork. I, he was doing so many red cards, red and black cards. Like he did the Vampire Nocturnus, the the uh, the real one, not the pre-release one. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and um, he, he did a lot of Shards of Alara cards, and they were all kind of red. And I thought they fit him very well. But seeing him do cards like um, Vengevine. And even he did Royal Elemental. Like I really like his take on other colors too. I just think he's fantastic. But um, Stagger Shock, the artwork is amazing. Let's uh, let's let's go aside for a second. Good. What were you going to talk about? Oh yeah. So um, well first I wanted to talk about a card. I mean, and I kind of wanted to just not even for myself, but I wanted to talk about Mnemonic Wall just because I'm kind of surprised that you didn't put it on your on your top ten. I mean, I understand that like there are more cards you were excited about, but like. Well, now that you've seen more of the set, like, even though you are currently more excited about other cards in the set, mm-hmm. like, are you, do you, like, no longer think it's good, or are you just, like, too overcome with the other newer cards? Yeah, like, I, that's what I want to know. Like, ha- has your opinion of it changed? Is it lesser? Or is it just, like, you know, the newness of, like, the other cards? It's absolutely the newness of the other cards. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mnemonic Wall was in World Wake or something. <laughs> it's it's It feels like I learned about it so long ago. I mean, it was, like, March 15th was when they were spoiled, but we had them ahead of time, right. I believe, like, a week earlier than that. So it's been, like, a month since that. Like, a month after I saw, after I was playing with World Wake, we already knew about Kozilek. Mm-hmm. A month after I was playing with World Wake, we already knew about Mnemonic Wall. So, yeah. like, it feels like it, I've known about this card, and I just kind of feel like, uh, yeah, it's old news. Um, it's, you know, it's not huge like Kozilek or anything. Kozilek, I think, was spoiled on March 1st. I guess I just lost my... It, it lost its luster because I've just been blinded by all the new stuff. Right, but do you still think it's good? Yes, I do. Okay, good. No, because I, I was I was just wondering about that. Like, Yeah. You, I mean, you think it has a home in, in blue-white control? Possibly, but the thing is, Wall of Omens is so good, and it's three cheaper and still draws me a card. That's the other problem. So, you know, Mnemonic Wall costs a blue and four, and is an 0-4, comes into play, gets you a card out of your graveyard. Uh, instant or sorcery. 
Um, it seems like you would run like one of those and four wall of blossoms or something. Yeah, like, you mean wall of omens? <laughs> the, you yeah, call it wall of <laughs> straight up call it wall of blossoms. Yeah, <laughs> like you would probably run a full playset of the wall of omens and then like one or two wall of blossoms or something. You know, like right. So, uh, did you want to talk about like? Honorable mentions or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, I definitely want to talk about Muldaya Channelers. Go um, for it. Muldaya Channelers is pretty incredible. So what is it? It's two green and two. It's a creature something something, because we don't have the computer outside. Um, it's a two-two. Is it an elf? I think it might be. Might be an elf. It's two-two. Um, you play with the top card of your library revealed. If that card if is the a card's creature... A creature not a non-land card. Remember right. that, folks. Yeah. If the cards... Because we didn't really remember that at first. If it's a creature, Moldile, Moldaya Channelers gets plus three, plus three. Um, flying lifelink, first strike... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it turns into Bane Slayer Angel. <laughs> All I need is a creature on top of my deck, and I got a Bane Slayer Angel for three mana. No, um... You know, it just gets plus three, plus three. And then if the card on top of your library is a land, it gets tap, add two mana of any one color to your mana pool. Right, so it can be like Acceleration, or it can be like an awesome 5-5, five, five, or it can be a 2-2 two, two that sits there because the top card of your library is Finest Hour, or Summoning Trap, or Negate, or Bant Charm, or all sorts of, you know, or Jace the Mind Sculptor, or whatever, you know, like... right. Your opponent gets to see your top card, and it's not something that's making your uh, your channelers good. So you paid three mana for a two-two that gives your opponent information. So it can be bad. Like it was on my list. Uh, um, again, here's a card that I was so excited about, and I'm looking for things that are wrong with it. <laughs> now, well, see the the um, original incarnation of Mythic Bant it would be graded. Yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier, because in Mythic Bant, it's so many creatures, you basically have Finest Hour, and you run Elspeth. I run Elspeth, but I'm saying the original list had just Finest Hour, three copies. Right, so it would be fantastic. So there. 57 out of 60, you yeah. know, chance of flipping over... Um, one or the other. One or the other, and getting the super bonus, which is, which seems pretty damn good. Um, but, you know, if you... if It seems like you need a bit more of a dedicated deck for it like that mythic bant build to really get the value out of it like if you're trying to do something fancy like ramp into like a summoning trap or something like you're probably not going to get there with moldiah channelers right and there's other ways to ramp i mean there's jiraga tree speaker which does the ramp ability already it's pretty much the same thing three mana for a creature that adds two green to your mana pool so i mean and that one again that does it on turn two so you Pay, you know, you drop it on turn one, you level it up on turn two, and you've got it to use already. Um, channelers, you can't play until turn three, and even if you have a land on top, it's going to do nothing for you on turn three when you play it because it's, you know, you can't tap it to add the mana. Right. But nevertheless, I think it's a good card. I just, I'm trying to see the drawbacks of the cards that I think are awesome <laughs> so that I don't go crazy on them. Like, oh my god, it's great, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what other stuff is there? Um, I really, I, I, I want to briefly just, I mean, talk about the, the totem armors in general. Like, mm-hmm. I do like um, Hyena Umbra so far the best and kind of the 
the plus O plus four one a little bit too, just because it's you know just adds a lot of defense and it's only two mana um, right. and it's totem armor, which is just good. Um, but I think I really I, I picked up a set of Earl the Miststalker and I, I call him. I know it's like Earl, but I call him Earl because I like to think of him as I'm just trying to be a better person. My name is Earl. Um, <laughs> so uh, I made a list of all the enchantments that I would like to have attached to me so I can get plus two plus two bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through slowly just collecting them all and putting them all myself, and it feels good. Don't you need to play Karma in that deck? <laughs> You're a Carson <laughs> Daly fan, too? <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, so... Speaking of Carson Daly, stay tuned to IWantMyMTG.com for TRL, Tournament Reports Live. Thanks, Dave Halker, for that, uh, <laughs> for that idea. <laughs> Stolen! Wasn't that from NBA it was, it But, was. uh... Yeah, so uh, I wanted to talk about Earl because I think Earl's going to be really good with all these totem armors. Yeah, Na- I, I just think naturally, Earl. I mean, it allows you to put an enchantment on him or put a totem armor on him, and then Wrath. Like, like if you're running Earl, like I feel like there's room for like some sort of Naya control deck right now with the momentous fall and all those different things available to it. Um, I feel like there's room in the format for, like, a Naya control deck with Earl as its win condition, and, you know, you have totem armor, so you can feel free to run, you know, a, a full four copies of Wrath of God in your deck, and you don't have to worry about killing your win condition. I, I think that's an interesting thing, and not to mention how much I like Eldrazi conscription with Earl. Um, I, I personally think the the uh, totem armors are mostly just going to be limited good and limited, I don't really see them... I mean, I think it's cute and all, like the Ural totem armor kind of thing. I just think it's too much, like, to... Well, well you can't... You, 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 you're you, not gonna... I mean, because I, I know that even with totem armor, you still risk the two-for-one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you can target in response to you putting the totem armor on something, mm-hmm. but you can't target the, um, you know, Earl with spot removal. So he gets the totem armor freely. You know what I mean? And I just think he's going to be... I mean, if, if you don't decide to run a deck that's um, playing um, Wraths yourself, you're going to really put pressure on someone who is playing Wrath. You know what I mean? Because they don't really have... Like, 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 like for, I mean, for instance, let's say you cast him, right? Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're playing against blue-white control. Um, I mean, I, I actually, well, honestly, what I keep thinking about is Spellbreaker Behemoth and Earl together in tandem. So, you know, you've got Spellbreaker Behemoth, you drop him down, um, you can't counter it. You know what I mean? Right. Then next turn, your opponent basically has to Wrath then. And if they Wrath then, you know, if it's early, if you're hitting your curve, they're going to have to Wrath then, get rid of that, and then you can play Earl. I see. You know what I mean? And you're really putting someone in a spot with those two cards in, in tandem. Um, it's just a thought, you know? Like, right, right, I understand. And I think the Totem Armor's... While in, in, I think in almost any other case, they're just cute. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I think, yeah, it's cute that you can put that on something and it make it essentially like a one-off indestructibility. But I think like with Spellbreaker Behemoth and Earl together, I think that there's pro- there's something actually promising there. And if not, even if not Spellbreaker Behemoth, 
I think that Earl plus totem armor is is pretty is pretty awesome, frankly. Like if they don't counter the totem armor, so I mean that's really have to say about that. And uh, I mean Aldrazi conscription really is just one of those pet cards for me that I just think is cool and yeah. they're not expensive, so it'll be easy to pick some up. And um, I will. Um, Eldrazi Temple. How do we feel about that? I think it's great. It was on my list, but I crossed it out because it's just a land, really. You know what I mean? It's just a land that adds to, so it's not like super exciting, but I like it because it's showing us ways to get the Eldrazi out. Like, I, I like that. Like, ways that aren't uh, so weak, like the spawn tokens, things like that. Um, right. You know, it's a. It adds. It comes into play untapped, and it adds a colorless. So right. there's really no drawback to it, besides that it doesn't add a certain color. It's not legendary, right? So I mean, seriously, like play four of them. You could play like a Kozilek in a deck, and four Eldrazi Temples, and um, as long as your deck is consistent as far as its mana base already, like if it's a two color deck or a one color deck. Why not? It's really not going to hurt you much, you know, unless you're trying to play Colney Hydra and, you know, for green, 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 then I think you're, uh, you'll be all right. Like, I think, you know, and it's just, it's just an extra mana per land. And again, here you have Realms Uncharted that can search that up and Eye of Ugin and whatever else you feel like grabbing, um... Grim Discovery gets lands out of the graveyard. So um, BDM said this on the most recent Top 8 Magic podcast. He said to Mike uh, Flores that... He's, I'm pretty sure he said it to Mike and not to uh, Gabriel Carlton Barnes, um, who was the other guy he was podcasting with. I listened to all of them in one chunk. But he's like, somebody's going to have to stop me from building a black-green deck with Grim Discovery and Realms Uncharted. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, it's awesome. It's fantastic. But I guess it wasn't exciting. Yeah, it wasn't exciting enough to make my list. Sure. No, I mean, I mean, me too, obviously. But yeah, uh, yeah, it could, it could, it, it'll definitely find a home. Not it's one of the cards I pre-ordered. Yeah, right. I only pre-ordered. That's the only rare I pre-ordered. Mm-hmm. And then I re- pre-ordered some mythics. I got like one Kozilek, one Ulamog. I'm getting a, an Emrakul at the pre-release, mm-hmm. so I'm not worried about getting that too because. You're going. Saturday well, I'm going. Uh, yeah, I'm getting an Emrakul at every pre-release I go to. <laughs> right. So, right. Which is two, two at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to two, and if I play an additional events, I'll get more. But right. Um, so I, I ordered like those two, just so I had one of each Eldrazi legend. Figuring like hedging my bets a little bit, like thinking if they're ridiculous, you know, I at least have one. Do I need to even play? I don't know what I, I... I Like I told you before, I'm kind of more along the lines of I just will play one of each because why not? Like, I don't have three Eldrazi in my deck. I, don't, I haven't decided what I'm doing with them. But anyway, uh, I ordered those. I ordered two copies of All Is Dust and um, four Gideons. And I think that's all I... I pre- oh, and the, and the Eldrazi Temples, which, mm-hmm. you know, is, like I said, the only rare... How do you feel about um, Renegade Doppelganger? Because I mean, I think it's—I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, it only costs two. It reminds me of that changeling from Lorwyn. Shapesharer is the name of the card that I was thinking of. It's a one-one for a blue and one changeling. Uh, pay a blue and two more. Target shape. Target shapeshifter becomes a copy of target creature until your next turn. 
Well, that costs three every time you use it. Right. This I mean, one, I said it reminds me of it. Oh, right, right, right. I, th- I think this is definitely a lot better than that, though. You know, whenever a creature is it, can, can you read it real quick? Whenever a creature you control, or yeah, whenever a creature comes whenever to play that you control, yeah. It was uh, so, but it's still that's cool. I mean, like, it would be really neat if it was whenever a creature comes into play. Yeah, and that's because then you could just like stop Eldrazi for two mana. Like, you could just be like, okay, my guy's a copy of it. They both die. Like. <laughs> That would be awesome, but... Yeah, it's whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may have Renegade Doppelganger become a copy of that creature until end of turn. It's 0-1, rare for a blue and one. I feel like you play it, you can't even copy anything, right? You just played it and it's just an 0-1. And now you play another creature and you can get it to be like your whatever, but it's just until end of turn. So now I say, your turn. Oh, now my creature's an 0-1 again during your turn. Like, it just seems terrible to me. Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah. I think it's interesting. Sure, when you're like, I'm going to play Baneslayer Angel, I'm going to attack you with my Doppelganger, which is now a Baneslayer Angel. Like, that's great, but it's, you know... Well, then you have a Baneslayer back to block. I mean, like... Well, um, yeah, but, I mean, you need the Baneslayer Angel in the first place, and you... I, I don't know, it just doesn't seem that good. Like, it's just another variant on the, uh, on the shapeshifter kind of theme, and, and I feel like... Shapesharer was better because at least you could do it at will and any other creature, and you could do it, you know, your opponent plays a Baneslayer, and now you're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, make my guy Baneslayer too. Right. Um, or your opponent plays Kozilek, and you say, I'm going to make my guy a Kozilek too. <laughs> you know, three mana, dead Eldrazi. <laughs> right. That kind of thing. This doesn't do anything but kill your own Eldrazi if you decide to do that because you're retarded or something. <laughs> but, you know, it's not even cute. I mean, <laughs> I don't even think it lives up to that point. Fine. I was excited when I saw the name. I'm like, ooh, a doppelganger. What does that do? Oh. <laughs> it's crap. I mean, if there's some sort of crazy combo, sure, that I'm not seeing. Like, yeah, but I mean, barring some sort of weird combo... Uh, right, there's no, there's no ability that says when 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 another creature becomes this creature. Yeah, then it, yeah, it doesn't even yeah. enter the battlefield field to get a comes into play ability. Right, it's not even like you could choose for it to become a copy of that creature and get the one eight seven ability. You know, so I think it's neat. Yeah. Um, I, if I get any impacts, I'll trade them to you for cards that I think are neat, <laughs> no. like Sphinx of Magosi. <laughs> I like Sphinx of Magosi. Talk, talk about it. It's, a, it's, it's neat. I like it. It's a 6-6 six, six for 3 blue and 3 more. Uh, creature Sphinx, rare, flying. Tap 2 and a blue to draw a card and put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on Magosi Sphinx, or Sphinx of Magosi, which I believe is what it's actually called, but this is just a typo in here. Yeah. But uh, I think that's that's great. Like, I love it. It's a 6-6 yeah, six, 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 six flyer for 6 is great anyway. Right, and then you can draw cards whenever you want until... Somebody deals with your Sphinx for three mana. It's another mana sink. Yeah. Right, you know, it's a, it's a mana sink that draws you cards at the end of your opponent's turn. Tap three, draw a card. Uh, I'll tap six, draw two cards. Whatever, you know. And meanwhile, the, the Sphinx is growing. Right. So, like, I don't know why this is going under the radar so much. I don't know that it's really under the radar. I just think there's so many flashy, big, huge things in this set that people aren't talking about it too much, but... I think it's neat. I, I'm gonna want to get some, and maybe play around with it. But I, you know, it's just uh, for six mana. Do I want a five-five flyer with shroud, or do I want a six-six flyer that can grow and give me cards? 
that doesn't have Shroud and it's easily dealt with. No, yeah, I, I agree, but it is an interesting card, and I do like the I do like the instant speed card draw plus pump. Um, the last card I really want to talk about is Not of This World. Um, okay. Not of This World costs seven. It's an Eldrazi instant. Yeah. Counter target spell that targets you or permanent you control. Right? I'm looking for it. Yeah, why don't you just read it? Because that makes yeah. more sense. Not of This World is a tribal instant Eldrazi uncommon for seven mana. That's right, it's an uncommon. I forgot that. Counter target spell or ability that targets a permanent you control. Oh, it targets a permanent. Okay, just permanent. Right. Not of this world costs seven less to cast if it targets a spell or ability that targets a creature you control with power seven or greater. But yeah, so basically you can... It's kind of like a hindering light in a way. Like, if... But, you know, if it's a... Uh, you can counter something that is trying to target one of your creatures that has seven power or greater... <laughs> Seems, uh, I mean, it's great Eldrazi protection. But it still doesn't um, take care of Oblivion Ring, does it? Uh, no, because it's technically not a spell. I mean... It's, it's a triggered ability. Yeah, so it's an ability, so I guess it could counter... But it's a, it says, is it activated, or does it say counter target spell or ability? That's what it says. Oh, wow, so you can use that to to counter the ability of O-Ring. Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I, didn't, I mean, because I was thinking, because, like, like, O-Ring's the one thing that can really deal with Emrakul. Right. It just seems so, uh, it seems like such a dead card for most of the game, though. That's the problem. Like, you're not going to be casting it for seven for a while. You know, like, so if you really want to save your whatever, Baneslayer Angel, you can't do it until turn seven anyway. Um, I don't know, it seems like very narrow. Yeah. But when it's good, it's good. I mean, it's a blowout when somebody's like, oh my god, you just played an Eldrazi, I'm gonna path to exile, or I'm gonna Oblivion Ring your guy, and you you can play not of this world. But it's I think that you can go through and look at, find a whole bunch of crappy cards that are blowouts in the right situation. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I can make a perfect situation where Mile the Anima is awesome. <laughs> okay, so Super Secret Elf, which of course is not this actual name, is rumored to be a 1-1 elf. Uh, we don't know the rarity um, for a green and one more. Your opponents can't make you sacrifice permanence. So, uh, I guess that's right, you know, it's tech against Eldrazi's Annihilate ability. And it's neat. I like that it's built into the set. Well, it also stops all its dust and it stops uh, consuming vapors. Yeah, I mean, it's got its uses, but I feel like those uses are narrow. Yeah, no, it is definitely pretty narrow. And I, I mean, I really just... I really hope that, like, you know, Jund wastes sideboard slots with that card or something. Personally, <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah, go ahead. Like, okay, lightning bolt. Um... <laughs> And then the other card, um, the Nema Guard. Nema Guard is an O5 wall. I'm sorry, it's not technically a wall. We don't know if it's a wall. But it's uh, O5 for white and three. Uh, probably a rare. Flying Defender. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may, you may pay three and a white. If you do, defenders you control can attack, and they deal combat damage equal to their toughness until end of turn. 
So it's kind of like a Doran, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, now your walls, obviously Doran didn't make your walls attack, but creatures, you know, your walls now deal damage equal to their toughness, and walls tend to have fat asses. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat. I think I think it's interesting. I think that, like, if something like a, like a walls.deck becomes popular, like, it... Yeah, that would be interesting. If yeah. it, I mean, like, you know, you've got something like blue-white and you're running, like, Perimeter Captain, Wall of Omens, Wall of Denial, the... Wall of Denial, oh my god. Wall of Reverence. Yeah. And, um, and this bad boy. Like, all of a sudden, you've got... That's 20 creatures right there, right? Yeah. power creatures? Tw- no, I'm saying 20 creatures... Oh, right. ...that would go in a deck that are all pretty awesome. Like... I don't know. It seems it seems good in the right in the right deck, and I think that like with the de- strong defender sub theme of the set, um, there will be a right deck to play it in. Yeah, you know, uh, I could. I guess I could see that. Uh, it's hard for me to wrap my head around something like that. Like walls deck, I can't see it. it but I guess I, when I see it, I'll believe it. But I, I it's just weird. Yeah, it's weird, but I mean, it seems it seems like a decent thing. I mean, wall of Reverence is already a great wall. Wall of Denial is incredible. Um, Perimeter Captains, you know, in the sideboard of your deck, isn't it? Do you run yeah, it in the yeah, sideboard? Yeah. yeah, I do. You know what I mean? You got Perimeter Captain in the sideboard of your deck now. Yeah. Um, wall of Omens is a reprint awesome, of yeah. one of the best walls ever made. You you basically have four of the best walls ever made in standard right now. You know, add that, and all of a sudden, those four walls can attack. <laughs> it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it seems, I, I, it just seems a little too good to be true, frankly. It's like, really? Like, you're going to give us that? Um, so, you want to, uh, I guess that, that does it for our spoilers, our top fives, um, or I'm sorry, our top tens. A couple of things I just wanted to mention before we wrap up. Uh, two blogs. One is giftsungiven.com, which is um, Alex Shearer's blog. He also writes for Channel Fireball, um, but his blog is giftsungiven.com. And um, he writes some really cool stuff on there. Like, I really like his stuff and, uh, you know, just different thoughts on different things. His column on Channel Fireball is called In Development. And it's got some really interesting stuff on there as well. So definitely check that out. And then recently, uh, Billy Moreno, who is a pro tour player, um, he hasn't been playing, I think, very recently. Like, I think he stopped for a while, or he, you know, he wasn't on the tour uh, for a while. His most recent, and I think maybe his biggest accomplishment, was winning um, either a GP or pro tour a couple of years ago with the Hulk Flash deck in, mm. I think, Legacy. He, he recently uh, started blogging, and he's been, like, so prolific, I can't even keep up with everything. I mean, he, I feel like he just started this blog, uh, like, less than a week ago, and he must have, like, 15 posts on it already, like, I'm, I'm trying to find it, but, um, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes, he's got some really great thoughts about, uh, the Eldrazi, and being able to, uh, you know, to accelerate them out, and he's testing all these kinds of decks, so it's, it's like, he's got some really cool stuff to say, um, about deck building, and, uh, I don't know. It, it was. It kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere last week, and I started reading it, and um, it's really impressive stuff. So, 
definitely check out both of those blogs. Uh, Billy Moreno's is Billy Moreno two the number two dot wordpress dot com, and again I'll link it in the show notes. And Alex Shearer's is giftsungiven.com, and his column on Channel Fireball is in development. So uh, check those out. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up for now. So good luck to everybody at the pre-release. Yeah, definitely. The pre-release is coming this weekend. Um, I think that we'll probably have some sort of um, some sort of thing like we did with World Wake, where I'm just going to basically compile the prices from Star City Games. Uh, the pre-order prices, just kind of as a little guideline that you can print out and take with you to the pre-release. Yeah, just so nobody gets uh, ripped off with trading for new cards. Yeah, although I'd say, like, if you're trading for Hellcarver Demons at $15, you are getting ripped off. Um, yeah, I agree. So, so take, like I said, take those prices with a grain of salt um, for the most part, but it's a guideline. It's not right. meant to be the authority um, on anything. Um, but just so you know, I mean, like for me personally, I have Star City Games prices in my head when I'm doing trades. Um, you know, if somebody you're trading with, you know, doesn't have a clue what something's worth and they like ask you like, what's this worth? And you print out the list or something, you can go here. You know what yeah, I mean? Like right. you can say, this is what it's worth. So like, if you're trying to, you know, if somebody wants your Hellcarver demons <laughs> and they ask you how much it's worth, you can go Fifteen dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, like so it works both ways. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't think I'd trade them. I don't think I'd trade for him at fifteen, but I would definitely trade him away at fifteen. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so so it's just something you know, just another another service we provide. It's a, there's a shirt that says sarcasm. One of the many as another service I provide or something like that. <laughs> I think I've seen that before. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's one of those stupid slogan shirts. Um, uh, wait, have, we'll, we'll try to have that. Uh, I'm going to try to get this up sooner than Friday. Yeah. Which now I can't. We we have our own Libsyn page now, so we should actually be able to get podcasts out to you quicker. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, and uh, if you keep checking back, like I want my MTG, you can you can subscribe to the RSS feed there. Um, you know the, the thing with MTG Cast is I have to send it to them, and then they put it up on their feed. So it has to go through another person whenever they get a chance to do it. Um, Tom, who who's runs you know the whole site, and Chris Otwell, um, both of those guys, you know, spend their free time kind of doing a lot of this stuff for us, which is awesome, so thank you guys. Um, but but what that does is just it adds an extra step for people to, uh, it adds an extra step for the podcast to go through before it's available. So um, if you're subscribed to the MTG cast feed, that's fine, you'll, you'll still get it, um, but you're more likely to get it just a little quicker, maybe, you know, in some cases it might just be a couple hours quicker, Right. But in other cases, it might be a whole day earlier by by uh, just getting it off of IWantMyMTG.com. Because we know you do. and um, uh, <laughs> That's great. IWantMyMTG.com. Because we know you do. Damn right. So that's... Is that is that everything? I think so. Um, definitely, when you go to the pre-release, just, you know, have a lot of fun. Don't get too... You know, don't go on tilt or anything. Just make sure you treat it like it is. It's just something fun and... Play big fat giant creatures and uh, smash in with with Eldrazi and you know whatever. Just have a lot of fun. Yeah, and don't take it too seriously. 
never take magic too seriously. It's a game. I mean, yeah, sometimes there's money involved, sometimes there's prizes involved, but magic is a game. It's just have fun. I went 2-3 on Sunday with my Grixis Burn list, and I had a great time. You yeah, know I, I mean? went 2-2 two, two at FNM, and, and one of my wins was a bye, and I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, like, just, just have a good time. Who cares? I mean, like, the, the I feel like, like, prizes and things like that are just, like... Icing. It is icing on the cake. It's like, I got to spend my night playing Magic, and I got some free stuff. Right, Like, yeah. that's really cool. And if not, it's like, man, I got to play cards all night. Like, right, it's exactly. just so much this better is, than, like... fantastic, right. ...meeting girls. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yes, yeah, so the party's at the Wingate. Yeah, you got to say that. It's, it's a obligatory now. Yeah, obligatory. At least until after GPDC. Yeah. You can stop. Yeah. It's like Lent. So... <laughs> So your resolution. Here's here's what I need to know, and and this is a call to all of you who listen to our podcast. Who's coming to the Grand Prix? We want to meet all of you. We want to meet every single one of you who's coming to the Grand Prix. There are a few people that I can think of by name: Mike Flores. That's it. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Look, Mike, if you live in New York, man, there's no excuse for you not to just hop down. You can sleep on our floor at our hotel room if you want. You just better get your ass to D.C. We're, we're, it's going to be a party. It's going to be so much fun. Like, we're going to meet all these people that, like, we haven't met before, but we've been talking to. Like, Yeah, like, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. man. I mean, like, so many of you people feel like we're, like, friends now and like you know i know we're not but no i'm kidding no you know what i mean like like i feel like i know you guys but i've never met any of you um so yeah so thank you guys for listening you can email us at yomtgtaps at gmail.com if you'd like some free stickers send us your mailing address you can follow us on twitter at yomtgtaps and you can follow me on twitter at affinity for blue check out our website iwantmymtg.com uh, you can find our podcast also on mtgcast.com, thestarkingtonpost.com, o2drop.com, and hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, top8magic.com. You can find us on Facebook, become a fan of Yo MTG Taps. You can find our YouTube page, which really only has, like, what, three videos on it, but eventually we'll update it when we have more videos. Maybe we'll film some at the pre-release this weekend. We'll Maybe see. Maybe the one I'm running. Maybe we'll do that. That might be good, too. So we might even have some new videos uh, coming up soon. Um, YouTube.com slash YoMTGTaps. Uh, you can um, read my blog at AffinityForIslands.com. Um, I've ended my blog. Right. Joe's blog was OtherworldlyJourney.Blogspot.com, but he's going to be blogging at IWantMyMTG.com from now on. Because it's easier and it's a better name. Um, but <laughs> right. although, I, although, like I said, like... Otherworldly Journey isn't officially dead. You're just not writing there anymore. I'm just not going to be writing there anymore. I might throw something up there once in a while. Actually, what I'm thinking about doing, because you know I like rap music. Mm -hmm. So what I've been thinking about lately is doing like um, a bootleg, like mix CD, like mm -hmm. a like an online thing that people can like download of like some of my favorite hip hop stuff. Just like, why not? Uh, just because I've been listening to lots of random hip hop lately, and like been thinking like, man, I want to make a mix of like some hip hop and like, but. Who would listen to it? Oh, yeah, maybe some people who listen to our podcast would like to hear it. So, like, if I throw it up there, like, on my blog, You'll the worst they can do is go cease and desist, <laughs> take yeah. it away, and I'll be like, fine, you know? So, um, thank you guys for listening, as always, and have fun at the pre-release. All right, we gotta go. Party on, Wayne. Party on, guard. Take to
Does he talk like Michelangelo from like <laughs> Teenage? <laughs> Whoa, Cowabunga! Awesome to our Bossa Nova! <laughs> Chevy Nova! Excellent! Oh, but no anchovies, and I mean no anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? <laughs> uh, that'll do. And the clock's ticking, dude. <laughs> Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. We're both Wayne. Wait, you told me you called me Wayne. Oh, I'm you sorry. said party on, Wayne. So I said party on, Garth. Oh, How are you both Wayne? Oh, I, I sounded I because I talked like Wayne. Well, then you need to say party on, Wayne. Part. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> part. <laughs> now you can't do it. Part.